Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Glad that you can join us. I really hope that you'll be able to uh, join us on Sunday. June 4th is our Pride service. We'll be doing a lot of fun things. Uh, we'll also be highlighting a couple folks throughout the service. So uh, please join us for that. And reminder, that will be our last in-person Sunday service until July 9th. And then we'll have another on August 13th. Uh, meanwhile, you can join us on Wednesdays for our Zoom community group. Uh, we'll be reading The Alchemist, and then we'll have a number of in-person events scattered throughout the summer, so um, one of which will be San Fernando Valley Pride. That is on uh, June 24th, and super excited for that. Uh, we'll be doing things a little bit differently. But welcome into Pride Month. I hope um that you'll be able to participate in some way, shape, or form. I know there's a lot of events going on in LA this weekend, so uh, be safe. Uh, I hate that we have to kind of have that reminder, but um, at the same time, let's continue to find moments to experience joy, right? That joy uh, in our queerness and allyship is an act of resistance. So for our text and for our service this Sunday, I want to use um, one of the shorter texts from the lectionary uh, to help us break down the meaning of all of the colors of the pride flag. If you already knew that each color has a specific meaning, then um, I'm going to also be linking it to the things that we are trying to do here at Mission Hills, our values. Um, and if you didn't know that each color has a specific meaning, welcome. Hope you learned something. Um, but I will go ahead and read our text for today. It comes from 2 Corinthians 13, verses 11 through 13. And that's about it, friends. Be cheerful. Keep things in good repair. Keep your spirits up. Think in harmony. Be agreeable. Do all of that, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy embrace. All of the brothers and sisters here say hello. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The word of the Lord. So, just to give a very, very brief context uh, to this text, this is a letter uh, to the community in uh, Corinth from supposedly Paul, and it was a pretty painful letter in that there was a lot of calling out of some of the power imbalance, misuse and mishandling of community relations, um, lots of questions, lots of uh, fear, and Paul is writing to this community. They've had a lot of back and forth. Um, is writing to this community kind of in preparation for him coming to be with them. And we know that Christian community doesn't have it all right. The queer community doesn't have it all right. There are still fractions, there are still um, spaces in which we are healing. Um, no one gets it all right. And at the end of 2 Corinthians, 
uh, Paul brings it back, right, to uh, a hope that he holds with them for agreement and peace, uh, qualities that were much needed in the fractures of this community. And he's linking this God of love and peace to their movement um, and their hopes moving forward. And I think (laughs) it is a comforting assurance, right, that today's church did not invent congregational conflict. So this has been a a part of it ever since the beginning. Um, And it's important, I think, to highlight that Paul shows up right in the midst and even at the height of conflict. He is vulnerable. The congregation is facing the real possibility of schism. And he's doing his best to make sense, right, of all of these things. And I think it's true for us, too, uh, that the call sometimes is simply to show up and to keep showing up, even in the midst of uh, fractions and um, the deep need for, for healing. So with that, um, the queer community, again, is no stranger to conflict, no stranger to um, needing to remind each other to stay safe, um, especially in the midst of everything that's going on right now, anti-trans legislation, um, acts of violence, uh, crime happening at all of these corporations, uh, hosting (laughs) pride branding, um, no stranger to conflict. Um, And Again, the first pride was a riot. If you don't know the history of the Stonewall Riot, I um, highly, highly suggest looking into uh, these events. Um, Our queer ancestors who were at the front lines, reminders that all of where we are today is truly only possible because of the black trans women who were at the front of the movement. And starting in 1978, there was uh, the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day uh, Parade. And Harvey Milk, uh, an early gay activist, um, had commissioned Gilbert Baker to create um, a flag to symbolize the value and dignity of the queer community. Sorry, y'all, there's construction happening next door apologize if you can hear that in the back. Um, But this was the first known pride flag and it originally actually had eight colors. Um, Then because of the price of two of the colors, they were dropped off and we get um, what was our traditional kind of rainbow flag. And each of these flag colors had a specific meaning that has been held on to. But as always, there's room to grow. There's room to change to make sure that we are becoming more and more inclusive, especially the more that we learn about ourselves and the possibilities across the gender spectrum, across the spectrum of sexuality. So in 2018, um, Daniel Quazar, an artist based in Portland, designed the Progress Pride flag. This incorporated uh, the trans flag, which was created by a trans woman, Monica Helms, back in 2000, um, and also the black and brown stripes 
to lift up um, the the uh, community of folks who have one um, either faced and are living with HIV and AIDS, um, and then also to lift up the number of people of color who did not receive this recognition that they deserved historically. Um, so all of these things, the, the addition of the pink, white, blue, black, and brown stripes were added uh, to celebrate the continuing growth of the LGBTQIA two-spirit community. Um, and again, we will continue to grow and to change um, as a movement, as a community. And the placement of the new arrows is in an arrow shape. Uh, sorry, the placement of the new colors is in an arrow shape, um, and it's meant to convey that progress is still needed. So without further ado, let's break all of the other colors down um, and we'll have questions kind of around each of them on Sunday so we can, again, gather together like we usually do um, and speak on what it means for us. So the red stripe um, signifies life, um, also signifies um, the loss, the, the blood of the queer ancestors who have come before us. I want to lift up um, some of the different um, figures from the Trevor Project survey in 2002. Um, this captures the experience of nearly 34,000 LGBTQ youth ages 13 to 24 um, across the U.S. 45% of respondents being LGBTQ youth of color, 48% uh, being transgender or non-binary, and this is the fourth annual um, and national survey of LGBTQ youth ever conducted. Um, and this is not all-inclusive. These are just uh, youth that they're able to get in touch with. Um, and LGBTQ youth are not inherently prone to suicide risk because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, but they are placed at a higher risk because they, of how they are mistreated and stigmatized in society. So a lot of the Trevor Project um, survey is around suicidality. Um, and so if you need to skip ahead in this uh, podcast, feel free. Um, but I just want to lift up specifically what happens when we do affirm LGBTQ youth. Um, but there are also figures that we need to be aware of, right? That 93% of transgender and non-binary youth said that they've worried about transgender people being denied access to gender-affirming medical care because of the state or local laws or being denied access to bathroom due to state or local laws. 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. But LGBTQ youth who felt high social support, whether from their family um, or even just one affirming person in their life, cuts their suicide risk almost in half. Um, supportive schools are also uh, part of this equation. All this is to say, when we affirm 
the lives of LGBTQIA plus folks, especially the nuances of intersectionality, gender nonconformity. There are good fruits of this affirmation that legitimately saves lives. And I'm going to link um, to this survey if you want to get more into um, some of the figures, but life is so incredibly precious, right? It is also so incredibly short. Um, We don't want to spend our lives hating our bodies, hating the way that we love. Um, And a lot of what this ends up coming from is the social um, lack of social support, um, social pressure to be something uh, that we aren't, uh, to feel like we can't be fully ourselves or fully truthful with those around us um, simply because of this rhetoric of hate um, that has prioritized a heteronormative way of life, right? And again, the fact that having just one affirming person in their life cuts risk almost in half, I think very well shows that whether you are an ally or part of the LGBTQ community, um, your presence is legitimately life-saving if you're able to speak up and remind folks that you are safe that you affirm their love, you affirm their identity, um, all of who they are. And this leads right into um, the next color, orange, uh, is around the space of healing. And we have it in our mission statement, right? Creating space of belonging, healing, and wholeness. We are an inclusive community. We celebrate folks of all gender identities, sexual orientations, religions, ethnicities, economic status. And together, we are seeking to embody faith, to love God, embrace beauty, live life at the fullest. Um, And if you've been around Mission Hills, this is nothing new to be hearing. And we strive to make sure that our actions always align with our values. And there have been times in order to continue to provide spaces for healing, we've had to make sure that folks a part of the space are truly being safe for each other, right? There is accountability in healing as we hope to push each other to be restored, to resurrect good things, especially as we attempt to hold space for healing religious trauma and abuse that many LGBTQ plus folks have experienced. And we do things very intentionally here to make sure we are maintaining as safe a space as possible. And um, taking it back to the tax when it talks about kind of putting things in order, um, it is really talking about being restored, um, pulling ourselves together towards restoration to this wholeness. And This is both a passive and active process, right? The fact that we can break down some of the norms, some of the expectations that um, other churches might assume or put on folks, and we are trying to actively break those things down, whether it's in creating fluid space at the beginning of service, right? Where we might not start at the exact same time every service, but that's okay, right? Because 
the community time, conversation time is church. That is what we're doing here. Um, and I've loved watching um, as folks have uh, lost track of time after services because we're finding healing in just being together, right? And this healing is taking place on multiple levels, physical, emotional, spiritual. And like I said, uh, there is accountability in this. Uh, We are also um, continuing to grow ourselves and figure out and allow creativity uh, to take the front seat so we can keep doing this work, that we can keep showing up in new ways, you know, this year's Pride service is going to look different than Pride service in the past, and we want to keep evolving. Um, And one thing that I do going into the next color, yellow, being creativity or new ideas, one thing that I love about the queer community and Mission Hills is this commitment to constantly evolve, to be able to grow and change so that we continue to meet the needs of those around us to the best of our ability. This is one of the six areas of post-traumatic growth as well. New ideas equals a hope that is pushing forward. The trans women of color who started the Stonewall Uprising believed in this hope. Those involved in the Supreme Court ruling in 2015 affirming gay marriage believed in this hope. We continue to believe in pursuing new ideas of how to do things so that we are better equipped to love and serve each other. Right? I think in part that's what Paul is calling for um, in these last couple lines, uh, to not get stagnant, to not stop hoping together. The next color, of course, is green uh, for growth, and all of this goes hand in hand. There's also a lot of green in nature, which is what this color on the original pride flag is meant to convey, that nature is a healing place, um, and the color green is associated also with growth. We've seen um, an uptick in the number of folks uh, who identify as queer um, across all these surveys, and the growth of the queer community hasn't been necessarily because of there being more LGBTQ plus folks in the world. We have always been here, but those in generations before us were not allowed to explore gender or sexuality in the same way. Um, So as it is becoming um, more available or more well-known, folks are feeling like they can truly step into who they are. Um, In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it says, encourage one another. And I think we do this again by showing up, by being a safe person, um, by breaking down some of the stigmas or doing education um, when we have the opportunity in our own families or our own social circles. Um, I also love this idea of queer ancestors because our families aren't always affirming of us or we don't even know if there are any other queer folks in generations prior to us within our, our biological families. But I think we do get to claim the queer ancestors, um, those who have come before us, who have been fighting on the front lines, that they are part of our chosen families. Sometimes we have to uh, remember that we are not alone in this. And it's huge to have an image of 
some of the queer folks who are older, um, who have made it or who have been a part of the movements along the way, um, to see that this is not, uh, this isn't a new thing. Um, it is new in the sense that it is playing out very different. Hopefully we continue to push towards, um, more acceptance and space of belonging. But all that to say, um, the queer community continues to grow and this is, a reminder to continue to push into that resistance. All right, I know I'm going long, but <laughs> I will try to wrap this up. Uh, the last two colors, blue and purple. Blue is serenity. Um, to live in peace, think in harmony. That's uh, from our text. Now, there is a difference between serenity and harmony, albeit I think both are important for the queer community and for our community here at Mission Hills. Um, serenity means freedom from disturbance, right? Everything, everyone involves being of one mind and spirit. Harmony means peaceful coexistence. Um, that is where I think uh, it is hard to hold on to hope right now because it is hard to see any sense of harmony um, in our world right now. But again, that's why we hold hope together. And then this last uh, color of spirit, communion um, with one another, right? right? Community, communion with the Holy Spirit. Um, purple is often thought of as a regal or royal color that on its own denotes pride. Um, and it can also be uh, a signifier for uh, connecting us with the spiritual realm. I think it connects to the text in twofold, right? Um, communion with the Holy Spirit, our communion with each other. Both are spiritual connections. Spirit is what carries us forward, that which simultaneously honors the history of how we've gotten here and our passion moving forward. So when we uh, get together on Sunday, we'll be talking through some questions around life, growth, spirit, um, and as well as whatever else comes up for us. But as you are, are thinking over the next couple of days, if you're able to listen to this ahead of time, I invite you just what does, what does it mean to live life to the fullest as a queer person or ally? And I'm going to close um, with a blessing um, by Katie Kelly Hankin. Um, that is a blessing for those of us here, our queer ancestors, uh, queer elders, and those coming after us. Um, this is an acknowledgement of every generation and the importance um, that it holds of lifting up life, lifting up love, um, passion, spirit, all of these things, and how we do it together. So this is a blessing of gratitude to our queer ancestors, all those who came before us, swirling back in time through the generations. They faced challenges with love and fierceness, living their truths as best they could in a world that didn't make step for the space for them. Each step they walked cleared the path for us. This is a blessing of gratitude for our queer elders who taught us how to love openly and unapologetically. They have celebrated and supported us in our growth 
and shown us by their lives uh, that there is more than one way to be a family. This is a blessing of gratitude for our queer friends, siblings, cousins, who tell us every day, we see you, you are visible, you are worthy. They remind us that we must continue to walk hand in hand, heart to heart, towards greater liberation. This is a blessing of gratitude for the queer young folks coming up after us. We stand with full hearts in awe of them as they continue to remake the world into a kinder place, one where everyone is included, everyone is valued, and everyone is free to be themselves. With that, amen. And I hope you can join us for a conversation on Sunday um, and that celebration together. Uh, not to bribe you with food, but there will be breakfast tacos um, as well as some other fun uh, surprises too. So as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen. You came into my life and the world never looked so bright. Out the best in me when you are around. Oh, yeah, things keep getting better. Things keep getting better. Things keep getting better.